Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only, so it doesn't replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice, okay? All right, we're rolling. Now, this is a campfire chat. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We just catch up with Vince. We've got the campfire here in the middle of FinCon. Welcome back to the fire, Vince. G'day, Glenn. How did, L- love me a good marshmallow. Yeah, how did you uh, get the fire material on the plane? Uh, I've been fired for a long time. Have you? Really? <laughs> <laughs> and just remember, Vincent, that mic needs to be nice and close. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Just like you, nice and close. Nice and close. Now, we're joined by Joe, who has been on My Millennial Money before. Joe, can you introduce yourself? Why are you making us sit on your lap when we do this? <laughs> I don't know. This is a little weird. We'll get used to it. <laughs> oh, yes. Joe Salcihai, Stacking Benjamins, American Dollars, American $100 Bills. Yes. Now, this is the show. you've got a, uh, a wildly successful and popular podcast. How long have you been podcasting? Uh, ten and a half years now. Can you believe that? Do no. they have podcasting? Believe we 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 we, we. we should call it radio with tape. <laughs> which which it which it truly when you talk about taping, which we're old enough, uh, I think all of us to talk about taping. Well, at least these two are. Maybe not Glenn. <laughs> yes, maybe not. But we talk about taping a show. You know specifically how old we are. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I, I also think I, I trip. I trip up when I say tune in. I'm like, no one's tuning Not into a anymore, podcast. No. I'm just clicking play. We, we joked recently on our show. We're like, you know, at the halfway point after the commercials on our show, we're like, hey, if you're just joining us, which is weird to do in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's like a holdover from radio days. Yeah, you know? that's right. Now, yeah. so Joe, the Carefire Chat, we just shoot the breeze. We we've got a couple we've got a couple of questions here from the Facebook group where which I put out there like hey we're doing a campfire chat. It's not set at beginner level, uh, so for those who are at a beginner level, uh, you're still more than welcome. But we're just not going to slow down and say what the SMP is and yeah, what that yeah, means. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we just kind of um, go deep. We'll go anywhere. We use big words like marmalade. What? <laughs> what is that? Well, it's like jam, it's but like it's made jelly. From, it's like jam, but made from oranges. <laughs> And yeah, we just we just see where it goes. Now, awesome. I wanted to start by saying you're like we've just done a national tour in Australia. Uh, it ended at the end of August. You've just done this trek trip every city, or what are you doing? Every time I open Instagram, <laughs> you're talking with someone and you're visiting went, states. Yeah, I went to forty cities. On a book tour, I have a new book called Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. And uh, Emily Guy Birkin, who's a fantastic writer, and I co-wrote the book. But I also... You did well to get that promo in within three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
you had to contractually obligated. Yeah. But we well, you asked, what was I doing? That's so right. I'm, you so you I'm forgot this, your affiliate link. Yeah. That's right. I, I will put an Amazon and a Booktopia link in the show notes. Slash, yeah. No, we, um, so I was going to, I decided that if we're going to do this, I don't know how many books I have in me. And I knew that if you're going to do something, do something you'd be proud of. And I thought, uh, I have a real excuse to go meet other people doing what I like to do. And so I decided I'd do a 40 city book tour, which, you know, you guys know about the book publishing industry. Now that is not supported anymore by publishers. We had the biggest publisher in America, Penguin Random House. And we, uh, and they're like, yeah, no, that's cool. You're doing that, but, but, but we're not paying. <laughs> yeah. You're fine. Never way. What was cool about that was this nonprofit called million stories uh, which is why you saw me on Instagram, Glenn. Mm. They, they're they a wonderful financial literacy nonprofit. I could brag about these guys all day. I asked them, I said, hey, I'm going around the country. What if I just pulled people out of my audience? I've never met them before. I pulled them out of my audience and I have them tell me their money story. And so we did that in 40 different cities with this nonprofit. And I have to, people are so brave. Mm. And it's so cool when people will tell you about their messy divorce or they'll tell you about their bankruptcy. They've never met me, you know? And they're telling me these horrific stories so that other people can learn from them. And it's, I don't know, it was really- but you're such a warm, cuddly guy. I, well, I am cuddly, but not as cuddly. Glenn keeps tickling me. <laughs> well, stop stealing his marshmallow. Yeah, that's right. Now, that's cool because, you know, we, we just did every capital city in Australia except one of them because I think we've got one listener there and we flew him down to Sydney. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's good. We, we, we don't have 40 cities. No, that's right. So, that just gives everyone a bit of a, an idea of the scale of uh, Joe's footprint in the States and particularly in the money scene. Uh, were there any themes like cost of living, inflation? It's wild in the West at the moment. Like, we're going through that down under. Uh, we're reading, we've just got the internet down there. So, we've read, read that, you know, it's tight in America. What, um, what are you feeling and hearing on the ground from your listeners? And maybe paint us a picture of who your typical listener is. Oh, this is great. I'll start there. We aim to be a wide audience show because of the fact that we're losing, I feel like we lose so many people. There's an interesting study here in the States about, uh, it's called The Secret Financial Lives of Americans, mm -hmm. written by a research group called non, uh, non, uh, Nonprofit, I believe is the name of the research group. But it's a wonderful study. And it talks about 330 million people in the United States and nearly half of people say that they've cried about their money, wow. that they cry about it. And you'd think that's people living paycheck to paycheck, but it's actually very, very slightly skewed that way of people making over $200,000 a year. Nearly half of them say they've cried about their money. We have all these financial creators, mostly from the U.S. that are here. And there's so many people, as you guys know, with so many brilliant messages, and we're leaving half of people behind if they're crying about their money. Mm. So our goal, our 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 goal is to be a very wide audience variety show um, that has a lot of comedy in it and is is a ramp so that people can. You've interviewed Dave Ramsey before. Yeah. Dave Ramsey is very polarizing mm. here. Mm. You either love him. Or he makes you fear professionals because he yells at people about their money. And I think there's a lot of people that don't want to be yelled at. And so yeah, I'm in the, I don't like to be yelled at school. Yeah, me too. So, uh, although that's no stink on Dave, by the way. Dave has done great work for a lot of people and has a wonderful audience. But, um, but I'm definitely the other side where we need to be inclusive. We're going to be the other side of that. So that's our audience. 
But I'll tell you, Glenn, what really resonates here right now, because we try to do the heartbeat of America, like what is exactly this question you're asking? It's just uncertainty in general. Mm. I mean, from the problem in the Ukraine, so you have geopolitical worry. You also then have inflation, which leads to the Fed tightening, which means that you have now all of these economies around the world scrambling as the dollar, the U.S. dollar is so strong. You've got Japan uh, in a tailspin. You've got the U.K. You've got all of these great economies that are beginning to struggle with tourism because the U.S. dollar is, is so, well, not just with tourism, just struggle in general mm. with the U.S. tightening. So from inflation to U.S. monetary Fed policy, to geopolitical, to here in the U.S., you know, with our, with our, you either are uh, love Donald Trump or you absolutely hate Donald Trump. So the political thing here. So across the board, man, if you're, if you're 25 years old living in the United States, it's, it's your, your, you're being born into this financial world of uncertainty. So mom's basement is looking pretty good. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Hide in mom's basement for the next decade. We just turn the lights out and pretend everything's going to be okay. So this, um, you know, this inflation thing, and I'd appreciate your view, Vince. Like, is, is this where I sort of cue go? If you weren't there in '79, you don't know what inflation exactly, is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's where Vince. We will Vince out for some old what ancient, it, ancient Vince, wisdom. What, what was it like when the wheel was created? <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't there. Oh, oh I'm what, sorry. Yeah. What was it like when everything was black and white? <laughs> that, um, black so and on, white. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have TV. Yeah, that's right. So this inflation thing, and this is what I'm grappling with. So the central banks—they've got one big chisel. And it's the interest rate dial, yeah. right? I'm just thinking, and I'm not an economist. I'll put my hand up and say that. But like, at the moment, like inflation in Australia, the needle on it is mainly moving because of what? Energy prices, building supplies, and maybe lettuce every second week or something. <laughs> so, we're moving this big lever in reaction to this data that's heavily skewed by three things of the economy that not a lot of... Well, if you live in the middle of the city, you don't have fuel or a car. Yeah. I mean, the, th the thing about those sort of things is they're really visible. Mm. So, they may not be material in your spending, but, you know, when you go to the gas station and you spend $2.48 a litre, um, that suddenly feels like a lot of money when it was $1.98 three weeks ago. Oh, so these oh Joe, we're in metric down on the island. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're a metric everywhere. Yeah, yeah. We have we have the ten month year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, and I, I guess just on that, Vince. Like, I I don't want to like discount and say that it's not tough for people. No, like, and, it, I, and it I, is. I wasn't yeah. attempting to yeah. do and that. No, no. I may have sounded like I was saying it's not that bad. Shut up. But I just want to talk maybe on the yeah that single chisel to that the RBA has to make a masterpiece. <laughs> That's right. So what the only lever they have is to crank rates mm. and stop buying stuff in the market. Mm. And that's why the interest rates have risen so fast. So if you look at the spread between the reserve rate, the cash rate, yep. and the home loan rate, it's at record highs. And that's unusual. Because I don't think my bank has Incre I haven't had the effective increase from the rate rise last month because banks give you 30 days notice, right? So, it's it's yeah. moving fast. Yeah, but back to petrol. Oh, yes. 
gasoline. Um, Whatever you people call it. <laughs> I love how you're dumbing it down for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to turn the subtitles on in there. <laughs> yeah. um, when petrol first went to a dollar a litre during the first Gulf War, so that's 1991, 1990, 91? 91, 92, yeah. right? Yeah. That's when I just arrived in Australia and we had to go and convert all the petrol pumps from dealing with sub-dollar amounts to now have a dollar in front of them. Now here we are 30 years later and suddenly it cranks $2 and everyone goes, ooh, inflation's really bad. But doubling over 30 years actually is probably less than most things. Mm. But it's really visible, so it affects people's psychology. And that's, that's the important thing about inflation, that inflation is bad when you expect it to be bad. And the more you expect it to be bad, the worse it gets. So psychology is the key here. So what's the Reserve Bank doing? It's going, well, how do we stop these clowns spending money? And they've built up all these savings during COVID and are now spending like drunken sailors. Mm. How do we do it? Well, we've got to crank up interest rates. And actually, people went to fixed home loan rates in droves in the last two years. So it's not having the effect it used to have. Yeah. So Yeah, so we're on a floating rate for all our mortgages. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So we're predominantly a floating rate market. Yeah. yeah. But the Reserve Bank was buying two-year bonds for the last two years. So fixed rate money suddenly became really cheap. And so everyone, well. Grab it. Half the people went, I'll take that, thank yes. you. Yes. No, lock it in. Yeah. yeah. And, Absolutely. Um, so we don't have the, the joy of the government underwriting our 30-year fixed rate <laughs> mortgage with zero exit fees. <laughs> we, we, I have to say, though, there's another takeaway here because when you're talking about your central bank and these levers that may or may not apply to the average person, it's the same thing here. You know, we have these, the, the, the consumer price index is what people use in the U.S. for inflation. And yet that's not the same inflation that I'm experiencing. Yeah, it's, and that it's was a different number. my point, yeah. Yeah, no, and I love that point because I think this is where, you know, a lot of people say, I don't keep a really great budget, but I think it, I think it, at least in the States, they don't. Um, this is where going back and looking through your bank, uh, you know, going back in your bank app and looking a year ago, at how much money came out for groceries versus today and figuring out what your inflation number is personally. Cause I feel like it's going to vary depending on how much you travel, how much you go to the grocery store, whatever that is. And then you kind of know what you've got to do just to keep up. Cause that's a big thing we've been telling people is that, in, in the U.S., if you don't get a 12.5% raise this year, you're falling behind. So you need to find a way to go to your boss and ask for more money in a way that's not just, hey, Vince, I need more money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have a way. How am I going to add more, make yeah. myself like, look like are you Are you going to produce 12.5% more right. widgets? Right. I need to look you in the eye and lie and say yes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Convincingly. <Yeah. laughs> Absolutely. Um, but conversely, we've got more crap hanging off our budgets. We do. Than five years ago. Probably relatively speaking, like... I always say I've got the Netflix, I've got Foxell, I've got Stan, I've got Apple, I've got Disney. Like, yeah. it's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. So, five years ago, if you were writing a budget article, you'd say, oh, give up your Foxtel or cable TV yeah. and you'll save a ton of money. And what did we do? We replaced one $20 monthly subscription with five $10 subscriptions. Right, right. Like, how does that work? Yeah. You know, my cousin did something brilliant that I've been bragging about for probably a year, and I've done nothing with this information, which I should do. But Glenn, if your listeners want to do this, this is this is fantastic. I get a text from him once a quarter, and he's like, 
so what are you watching on Netflix? And he does this with everybody he knows, and he gets this list of everything on Netflix, and he only buys Netflix. And then he binges all the, because sh- you only have one set of eyes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can only watch one thing. So he binges Netflix and then he cancels it. Then I get a text from him that says, what's your best stuff on Disney Plus? And then <laughs> we do all that. And then what's your best stuff on Apple? So while I own all of them like an idiot, I should be buying one. Thank you. He, he totally has cut it the right way. Like yeah. that, that's so brilliant. And I've been bragging about it forever. And have and I done it? He's your cousin. Must he, be on your wife's side of the family. It's gotta be. Because I got none of that. Jeez, how how would you like? How can the and it's never going to happen. But imagine if you could, you know, these subscription services had like an API, and other companies could pay and have an aggregate house where you could, I don't know, like be the switcher. Yeah, yeah. we used to have one of those. It was called Network TV. <laughs> what with the four stations that That's you right. used to have? Four, <laughs> two, yeah, yeah, wild. And one of them was in black and white. But but there's a lot going on and I just think I just always want to encourage people, let's just zoom out and usually it's always a straw that breaks the camel's back. It is. Like you you get that one bill and it's more and you're just like, all right, that, that's I give the, up. The one thing that's gonna make it But when I when I wrote the book, so you know, I might as well get my get live, live the life you want with what would with that money book be? Have. What book would that be? And where can I get it? <laughs> you can get it at Booktopia. Here's my affiliate link. Um, but I pulled out some statistics in the year I graduated in 1983 um, in Ireland. In inflation was 17%. Interest rates were 13%. And unemployment was 24%. And that sort of puts today in perspective a bit. Mm. Um, now, that's not to say that you know, the world hasn't changed in the last year and we need to change our behaviour. But if you've never experienced a recession and we haven't had one since 1991 well, well this is the problem everyone who's listening to this right now who and I'll, I'll probably just put a line in the sand if you are 35 or under or I'm 38 and under uh, well, I'm 38 um, anyone under my age or maybe even under 40 you have not in Australia experienced hard financial times correct and this is a big shock to a lot of people and we just need to say it's all going to be okay keep your budget lean keep your budget agile keep your budget like you're a startup company that can adapt and move because the last one standing when the crap gets tough is the one who has the emergency chest of gold and that's, we just can only control what we need, that we can control. Yeah. You can control the money supply. You can control the interest rates, but you can control your debt. I think that's the biggest takeaway mm. is that we spend so much time focused on the thing that we can do nothing about. Yeah. We spend no time focusing on our own spending, our own habits, the things that we can do. We're too busy on Facebook, at least in the States, complaining about, you know, all the, all the politicians. You're a guest here. Don't attack me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just hit home? <laughs> yeah. oh, I need to control what I can control. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, th- uh, thank you for my last. Like you've got the volume knob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's answer some listener yeah. questions or look at the fodder from the Facebook group. Facebook fodder. Right after I drop this dynamic ad marker. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com. 
and click get help. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, we are back. All right, let's have a look at some random questions here. Oh, here's one from Scott Critchley, and we'll ask Joe this one as well. Qualifications required to be a financial slash money coach doesn't seem to be any. Money coaching is quite big in the US and maybe will be a growing industry in Australia. Great question. Yeah, so the money coaching, like... America, it's capitalism, it's democracy, it's freedom, pew pew America, all the good stuff, right? You don't appear to have many laws. <laughs> <laughs> At least not ones that get obeyed. That's right. <laughs> so, money coaching in the States, what is the deal? It's a big problem. I mean, it's too, there are designations and people don't know what questions to ask about designations. There's certified financial coaching designations. There's uh, certified financial planning designations. There's certified retirement coaching designations. The consumer knows nothing about any of these, right? And so they don't know the questions to ask. That's a problem, which means then, Glenn, to answer the question specifically, is that because of that, the field's wide open. And if I want to call myself a money coach, I can get away with that. And then people have real problems then distinguishing good advice from bad, which is why I think, I think what we need is, um, you have to interview multiple people. If you're going to have a coach to even understand what different people sell. Mm. Like if I'm in, if I'm interviewing different people and I interview Glenn He's going to sell whatever his strength is. Then I interview Vince. He's going to have different strengths. And I start to see kind of where the competition is. And I start to see what you guys think are is, is important. And that that leads me then to better things. So I think I have to interview more, more people. It used to, you know, I was a financial planner for 16 years before I jumped over to financial media about 14 years ago. And um, I would have people all the time just come into my office, didn't know what to ask, and they'd hire me on the spot, mm. which was great because I was brilliant. Of course. <laughs> you know, I was great. They made a fantastic move there. But it also filled me full of fear that there's people doing this every day, hiring the wrong person because they don't know what question to ask. And because of the fact that it's such a wide open field. So what would you say in the States particularly, what's the remit of a money coach? Just to help with cash flow and budgeting and accountability? No financial product? 
It, well, that and that's half the problem, right? Is yeah. that you don't know where they get their commissions from. You don't know what they're, they're the, the big the big fight right now going on is around this word fiduciary in the U.S. And fiduciary is a legal term here. Says that you you know you have to work on your client's behalf. There are tons of oh, people. That's a real Glenn. surprise, isn't it? Right? Isn't that wild? But but you should ask for it in a contract. You should see something called the ADV, and it explains exactly. Hey, I am a fiduciary. There are tons. Nobody knows to ask for this document. Number one. Number two is there's a bunch of commission salespeople that call themselves a fiduciary. You could look me in the eye and I go, oh yeah, I'm a fiduciary. Then I sell you a bunch of crap products, which is horrible. But then the third thing is, is that if I get caught, there's no teeth. Mm. There is there is no mechanism. There's no sheriff out there who is policing this. No. SEC won't have a go. SEC's doing nothing about right. it. So there's so this the SEC soft. There's no teeth. So we've got, it, it is you have to you have to interview quite a few people here mm. in the states before you hire somebody. If you're going to hire a coach, yeah. So I, I would bring it back home to the island for five yeah. seconds. If we so can. for our Australian listeners, ADV equals FSG. Yeah, yeah. So for example, and I'll I'll just explain it to Joe so uh, everyone can uh, appreciate that, but. Um, so in, in Australia, it's enshrined into law that you have to be licensed to say that you're a financial advisor or financial planner. Wonderful. Which it, is It's awesome. a restricted word. Yeah, it's restricted. You go to jail for saying, I'm a financial advisor. If you're not licensed. If you're not licensed. Wonderful. Uh, there's no, in, in terms of investment products, there's no built-in commissions at all. It's 100% fee for service. Also great. Yeah. So it's, it's clean in that way. Um, the problem in Australia uh, is... You know, when I was a financial advisor, I had people come in and they wanted financial advice. It's like, well, you don't need financial advice. You need a budget. <laughs> you need to spend less than you earn and just get your spending under control and pay off some debt. So there is a big need. And this is why we do this podcast, right? To gift wrap people ready to get the professional product advice. Yeah, which is truly a financial coach rather than a financial advisor. Exactly. So that's kind of... Do you want to add anything yeah, so to that? My Facebook feed, obviously Facebook thinks I'm a money guy for some reason, but I, my feed is just full of American-based people with the broad pitch going, I paid off $300,000 of consumer debt, hire me as your coach. How does that work? You pay them a fee and they show you how they did it. And they sit with you and they help you make a budget and they help you they help you uh, decide which bills to pay off first and then they ho- hopefully they hold you accountable then right that you meet with them and you do what you say you're going to do but that's what i'm hoping but that person does it work <laughs> yeah well that person in australia in, in the states could say oh now that you've paid this sign up to this investment account and start investing and could probably earn money under the table without... No, that part's regulated. Okay, cool. Yeah, if you're selling investments, you have to have licenses. Sweet. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so there, there could be some similarities uh, in this money coach thing, but if we go back to Scott Critchley's question, my two cents on it, because I get asked all this, like I was asked at an event um, when we were on our tour, uh, someone was like, oh, I really want to be a, a money coach or a a debt counsellor or something like that, which is awesome. It's needed. But the facts are some people who are in desperate need of the financial counselling and the debt counselling do not have money to pay you. So you've got to really look, okay, if I want to do this, how am I going to turn it into a career? And that could be being an employee for a 
a non-for-profit and be on the books and do it that way. I think it's particularly hard if Scott wanted to do money coaching, um, you, you've got to do the, I don't know, you've got to make the online courses like the Glenn James Spending Plan is a great tool that someone can just self-serve and self-learn to get the basics. But if you do want to go to that next level and get that one-on-one coaching, well, then you just, it's a service industry. It's like going to the barber once a month. Like yeah. you've got to pay a yeah. fee for that service. So, I, I don't know if we've really answered it, but... Um, I mean, I think the one point I would make is that I like the word coach because money's not really a, a maths or a, a knowledge problem. It's a behavioral problem. Mm. And the concept of coaching behavior seems to make a lot of sense to me. That's actually on our mind right now. There's a study that just came out. In fact, the Atlantic Magazine just did an overview of this uh, academic research showing that what people in academia are talking about when it comes to, to personal finance, that this, that this was it. It was a cool study. They took two groups. They took academia and what they say to do with your money. And then they took the average uh, 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 money person who just has a book and mm-hmm. popular press, right? Popular press, popular media, what's on YouTube, whatever. And they're, and they're speaking two different languages where, you know, the, the people in academia, to your point, Vince, are talking about efficiency mm. and they're talking about, you know, comparing interest rates and what is, what is you know, the, the best way from point A to point B. But what's funny is what we're talking about is actually more successful. Mm-hmm. And this researcher realized that when you look at the numbers, the stuff that we preach is generally wrong, but it works better. Mm. So we preach, you know, uh, like the debt snowball method. We were talking about Dave Ramsey earlier. Yeah. That the debt snowball was it is suboptimal. Mm. In a lot of ways, it's suboptimal, and yet it works because, as creatures of habit, we 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 need wins. We need these little wins to keep us going. We need these milestones. There's a question here from Cab Ulcha, which I think is Kabulcha. an it's an anonymous person in the Facebook group who lives in Kabulcha in Queensland. Hello. If your goal is for simple long term growth strategies, uh, if your goal is for a simple long-term growth strategy using equities, what would be your argument against investing in quality-focused ETFs such as Qual or QLTY? I can't, and I'll say what they are for everyone. I can't see why this wouldn't be an ideal investment choice. So, for example, uh, QLTY is the ticker. It's the BetaShares Global Quality Leaders ETF. Uh, it's a diversified portfolio of 150 of the world's highest quality companies. Uh, and then the Qual one is a Van Eyck um, MSCI International Quality ETF, which there's 301 holdings. So basically, why would you not invest in a fund like this? The, the word that sticks out to me is diversification, yeah. but um, do you have a view, Vince? Yeah, I mean, quality in that context doesn't mean what the dictionary would tell you it means. So quality has this impression meaning you know, high class, it's good, good solid investment. Quality, when it comes to investment, is as distinct to growth. Yes. So in the... Top 10 holdings of that one there. In gotcha. The, in the Pharma French five-factor model, where mm. they identified the five things that broadly drive investment returns, quality versus growth is one of those. So quality generally means, you know, Stable, growing income, Established, priced yeah. well. Um, so in an Australian context, that will be our banks. Woolworths. Woolworths, Coles. Um, yeah. 
And so they tend to be slow, steady. They're the, mm. the tortoises of the stock market. And but why wouldn't you just buy the market? Well, the, well sorry, just, just follow through this for a moment. The, the academic research says that over time, quality outperforms growth. Not by a huge margin, but it does. Um, unfortunately, it goes through long periods where it doesn't, like most of the last decade. And so whilst it may give you the better answer over very long horizons, like 20, 30 years, you have to be prepared to wear the decade or so where it doesn't, which is to your point about diversification, that if I've got a, a bit of growth and a bit of quality, I've got a bit of resources, I've got a bit of finance, I've got a bit of consumer, I'm going to get a smoother return. It might be a lower return mm. over long enough time, but it will be smoother and smooth is what helps you stay the course. Do you what have do any, you any views on these concentrated ETFs? You know, what's, you know what's funny is that I'm going to say that you'll get there. I mean, yeah, you could do this you could. And, 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 and you will probably reach your goal. But I think what's funny is we use this, this word, these words in financial planning called efficient frontier, mm. which is proper diversification uh, based on modern Is that like the final frontier? The, the <laughs> final frontier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Hey, wrong. we're not licensed for that. <laughs> <Sorry. No. laughs> hey, I changed the word. <laughs> I changed the word. Fair use. But, but we, we um, you know, when you look at good diversification, this is, you know, so many people think that they're going to save money by, we talked about cutting the cord or, uh, you know, signing up for one subscription. It's the same with your investments. If you just have better diversification, you can pick up. What, you mean I should just buy Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You could just, you can pick up points just by staying on top of some, maybe a, a little bit better diversification than that. But but you will get there. Mm. I, I think too often money nerds go, why would I buy, not buy this versus that, mm. you know? And, and, and we're, we're splitting hairs when you know what the real key is you need to save some money yeah. yeah and if you save some money and you buy a fund it could be this fun you're gonna be okay yeah and, and, and don't pull the trigger when it's down <laughs> exactly yes yeah well and it's funny because you talk about how quality wins over long periods of time i it, i was thinking while you're talking vince microsoft is an example when i was a financial planner i worked with a bunch of microsoft employees when i was an advisor microsoft stock was doing nothing <laughs> And, and it, it was a growth stock. Right. <laughs> and it did nothing from 2000 to 2014, roughly, maybe 2015. You can, it, it, and, and now I hear people like, you know, the, the kids, the, the, the young people touting stocks going, buy Microsoft because it's phenomenal long term. It's great long term. You mean to tell me that you would hang in there for 15 mm. years when this stock did zero? It did mm, nothing for 15 right. years. And you know what? People don't do that. And they pull the trigger and then they miss out on these huge runs. So you got to be in there for the long term, which, which is, sounds easy. Oh, yeah, I'm in there for the long term. You know, we use these percentages too in finance. Just as long as I'm on my step stool, I'm going to stay there mm -hmm. for, a, for a moment. The, uh, we use these terms where like, you know, the market goes down in average year 14% and that's normal. It's normal. It doesn't feel normal when you, when no. you open the newspaper. Yes. If you have... $100,000 invested, that means you like, most people say 14%. I can, I'm good. If you've got $100,000 invested, you lost $14,000. Now all of a sudden you turn that into a real number, you go, that's a big number. Yeah, that's, that's a, a month's pay. That's, that's a, a two months' pay. That's you, an Omega watch. 
<laughs> you get a. I you, think you got the wrong focus. Again. <laughs> oh, sorry. You get a million dollars invested. Mm. Hashtag ad. Yeah. A hundred and forty thousand dollars you lost. Like these numbers that are quote normal mm-hmm. in a normal market cycle are huge. And so looking me in the eye when I was a financial planner, oh no, I'm good. I'll be fine. I'm like, no, you won't be. No, you won't. And no, you, won't you know, be. on the, on advisor experience. I don't know if you remember this, Glenn, but the number of times I've had young couples come into the office, figuratively speaking, who've just had a baby and they go, I want to invest some money for 20 years for my kid. I want to think long term. So give me the biggest risk thing you've got. And by the time that kid hits primary school, I will give you London to a brick that the money's gone because of childcare, education, renovations, new car. So it's all about behavior. It is totally about behavior. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's, it's a philosophical thing and I'll just indulge Vince for the point of this and we won't get into this philosophical argument. But my uh, life insurance and income insurance and trauma insurance, it's on level premium, right? It's not a stepped premium. Which is like term life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Gotcha. Yeah. So, it's fixed. Now, I paid a little bit more for that in the early years and I'm holding it for the long term. Now, even if over a 10-year period, I was to pay more for that level premium insurance and if I turned indexation off, so every year it was the same premium, I'm not having the psychological increase each year and then what happens is your budget gets tight these inflationary times happen you get the annual renewal for the insurance and it tips and you're just sick of increases so you piss the policy Mm. off the fact that I have the psychological stability means I won't give it the flick now which is to say it's better to have the cover if I needed it Mm. in 15 years time than getting sick of the increases five years ago and cancelling That's it. right. The best insurance is insurance you have in force when you need it. That's right. Yeah. So, all that to say, what Vince said with these, um, you know, a little bit more concentrated uh, funds, like the the quality one here, the beta shares one, you know, there's almost 40% in IT, okay? You could round that up to 50% IT. I mean, this portfolio has probably had a bit of a slap over the last, yeah, over the last 12 months, um, Here it comes. Neg 20? Yeah. Which it's, I, what would they, I must admit, I'm not quite sure how you get quality in IT. Yeah, but <laughs> like I guess, Apple maybe. I guess all to say, like everyone knows I've been crapping on about the psychology of money book and I would be a fan in this instance. It's like absolutely invest in this, but maybe do it as a bit of a satellite. I'll put 10%. Yeah. Keeps me involved, Agreed. keeps me. So when the market shats itself, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I just, interesting, right? Beha- I mean, beha- do what you beha- want. Behaviors yeah. against you with this fund, I yeah. think is the point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another question here. And just tell us when you need to go, Joe. I'm good. Uh, we've only got another three hours, so. Uh, <laughs> Davey Harris said, I've been trying to help a few people. Oh, we're changing gears completely here. I've been trying to help a few people get into personal finance. And I've come to the conclusion that most people just don't seem to care. I find it crazy that most people say I'm not that interested in money, yet we'll go to work for 40 hours a week. And why is most of society like that? First of all, can I say something about this question? Sure. The fact that 
he wants to bring somebody along with him is phenomenal because it is so much more fun when you can bring other people down the path with you. And that is just a powerful thing. And, and when I was a financial planner and you guys have seen this too, you know, people come into your office and they'll say, they'll say, I think I'm good. And you know what? They are good for yeah. themselves. But it's so great when you can then beyond that build a legacy that includes your community and the people you can empower. You can do so much more if you stop just thinking about your selfish. I'm going to be okay. Mm. Well, that's great. But so the fact that he wants to bring other people along is just brilliant. I think that's great. Is that similar to the? Uh, and I just want to let everyone know while we're at Fincon here, like there's a, almost two thousand people at the conference we're at. Next door, I think the conference is bigger. It's a multi-level it's a marketing. Multi- <laughs> So are you saying get rich quick? Yeah, yeah. Are, 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 we're, getting, we're getting rich slow here. Yeah. Are you saying I, I need a friend to take to the MLM conference? I was, I was going to say, yeah, but when, after you go there, you won't have any left. That's right. Vince, as, Vince as pulled as, the trigger the other day with someone, and he got the pitch. As soon as we get done here, I have to talk to you. Yeah, about, that's yes. right. Yeah. Um, do you do you want financial freedom quicker? <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 it just goes back to that. You can only model by example live your life well and if you get invited to speak about something in someone's life drive a truck through that door but until then you can't push a rope yeah i don't know no but i think there is an approach that you take and i think that the approach of because you know money nerds we like to talk about the difference in fees or this fund that we we were talking about the quality fund versus a broad index like we get into this nerdery Mm -hmm. or or you know your level term life insurance (laughs) uh level payment insurance the um I think I think it is more fun for non-money nerds when people they think are good with money share mistakes they made. Mm-hmm. And if you are open about times that you completely screwed up your money, that is that is that then gets them curious and when they realize that you're not this savant about this stuff. Um, I don't know. I found that's when I'm able to have better conversations with people. Yeah. What do you think, Vince? Uh, I mean, I think they language used in that question sort of says I'm on my way why can't why are you so stupid that you're not coming with me oh it's a little humble society a little humble brag I I think I think yeah to your point Joe that it it's good to bring people on the journey but yeah when the student is ready the teacher will appear and as a as a human we are sort of pre-programmed to spend most of our money most of the time and there needs to be a reason not to so we need to have a, a view of tomorrow that makes it better to spend it tomorrow than spend it today. And you can't force that. I mean, it, but then it goes like, because uh, Davey talks about um, why society like this and, you know, they go to work for four, 40 hours a week and it just sounds like they need an MLM. But um, <laughs> what, what it goes to is... They need to become a, an influencer. That's right. Give up their nine to five. That's right. You actually work for your money, you idiot. No, I think it's more the, there's a lot of things going on, but a lot of it is risk profile. And I know people who have a nine to five with a government job and they're the happiest person in the world. I I mean, I'll challenge anyone in society who's doing a 40 hour week and hates it because you've got choice and, you know, our new book that's coming out will help with that. But, what book would that be, Glenn? Well, I don't think we've announced it on the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, where will I be able to get it? <laughs> uh, anywhere where good books are sold. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
But uh, you might be able to search uh, Glenn James on Amazon or Booktopia at the moment, and it's online already, but we haven't done a hard push yet. We're waiting till January. But I, I think it is that. I think I just threw one on the fire. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. You, some people aren't wired the way that us money nerds are. I mean. No, but I think if you can tie financial literacy away from finance and the numbers and more into real life. Yeah. Like if I feel like I need to join a gym, I can, uh, uh, the, the way that I afford that is through better money habits, right? Mm. So it's not about the money habits, it's about joining the gym. If I need to, if, if, if I if want- If you stop to, eating, you save on groceries. Exactly, right, right. If I, if I um, well, to your point though, you know, if I feel like my grocery budget's out of whack, you know, it's it's about better financial habits. But I think, you know, if I want to buy a new bicycle, if I want to, whatever it might be, tie it to the bicycle, not to the money habit. And I think that's also a, a better approach. Uh, there's a, a bit of a thing here from Vanessa McAllister. Thinking about when eventually having to draw down on investments, even though this won't be for many years. If investing in a funds of funds is harder to redraw, sorry, is harder to draw that investment down to live on. Would it be easier as a DIY investment to draw it down? Hope this question makes sense. I've been shoveling money, uh, but then got caught in second guessing myself, wondering if I'm investing in the right things. P.S. Love- like she needs a financial advisor. Yeah. P.S. Loved your book, Glenn. Hashtag obsessed. All right. Have you felt the weight of this? <laughs> I, this thing is... <laughs> yeah, there you go. You, well, just you, need, you need a gym. You could save a There it is. Yeah. You just buy Glenn's book. And yeah. You're, yeah, look at that. I'm, Would you like that? You can say no. It's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yes. We'll give it away. Yeah, can, you right. just, can you yes. feel the front cover and just... Oh, mm. I got... Feel that glazing... This, this part right here with Glenn. Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, it makes me giggle when you tickle my photo. So, okay. Well, let's let's use a real life example. Is this awkward? <laughs> no, it's <For> awesome. You? <laughs> yeah. Are you taking pleasure uh, in it? Here's a question. When she says fund of funds, just to translate well, for I'm, the I'm, American here, is that is that like a target date fund here? No, I think it'd be like a Vanguard diversified ETF, yeah. like a VDHG or VDG. I, I would read multi-asset fund into yeah. that. Fund, yeah. So yeah. like a yeah. Vanguard... Um, I mean, the disadvantage—the the advantage of it is—it's all there. You diverse, your rebalancing's done for you. One-stop shop. One-stop shop. Easy peasy. The downside is when, as she noticed, she yeah, Vanessa. Yeah, yeah, um, Vanessa. Yeah. She says, "Well, when it comes to sell, is it harder?" Well, what you're forced to do is sell the same proportion of everything, and when you move into the spending stage of life. Um, you probably want a bit more flexibility in, you know, when the market's down, you want to cash in the cash. When the market's up, you might want to take some money off the equities table. I love that answer, Vince, because it's, I think it's a great place to start, but it's a horrible place to yeah. finish. As you grow your assets, you're, you should have different things. Yeah, but I mean, if I went down this garden path with Vanessa, you know, if I spent the next- well, on, the, on the radio. On the radio. Um, if I spent the next 20 years- Shoveling, and we'll just use superannuation 401k. I've got a diversified yes. fund, multi sector, all that stuff. I spend my working life shoveling that. It just comes down to your goals. And five years before you're like, all right, I want to start to hang up the tools and start to draw on my investments or my superannuation, that five years out is like, okay, five years out, we can start to have the discussions. Oh, it's a GFC. 
well, we're probably not going to sell everything right this minute. Let's just yeah. keep it in there. And if it's been a banging time and there's another COVID wave 15 and the market crashes at the time, or it's hot at the time rather, it's like, well, let's take some, I don't know, some chips off the table at that point and start to put a plan together for drawdown phase. I don't know if we, and this is the whole thing, like we don't want these decisions of tomorrow and the splitting hairs of tomorrow to stop us investing today because yeah. they really will work themselves out. And that's, that's what I like about this type of fund. Just get going. Yeah. I'm, I mean, uh, d- there's a great new book out by a gentleman named Nick Majuli. He's a, he's a very smart guy. He's uh, Dollars and Data on Twitter. And in his book, he said that you need to really start working on your asset allocation, on your diversified portfolio. When the daily movement matters more than you putting money in. Yeah. Too many 20-year-olds worry about diversification. Too few 45-year-olds worry about diversification. Good point. When you're 20, when you're 20, buy a fund like this, shovel money away, and you're going to be great. Well, we know that if, if, even if we picked uh, a, a, a number, and we'll call it $100,000, until you've got $100,000 invested, the best return on that capital is the amount that you can put in. You put in. Which is the point that... Um, yeah, Nick. Do- Do- Nick from Dollars yeah. and Data. Yeah. So good on you, Vanessa. You, you can't wreck it. You really can't. Keep out of consumer debt, spend less than you earn, invest the rest. I mean, what? Yeah. what oh, I'm go- buying Glenn James's spending plan. Well, she's got the book, so she's there. <laughs> she's there. Um, here we go. I don't know how I'm going to carry this book on the plane. This might go over the weight limit. Yeah. <laughs> it may. It really <laughs> might. Um, I think you're allowed to have in flight reading, Matty. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> But I wonder if the flight attendant will be all weirded out when I just spend the whole time. <laughs> like stroking my book. Uh, Shannon Dixon said, I recently, I don't know, I haven't answered this question. I recently read that if I put a 20% deposit down on an investment property and grew it by 5%, I would get 100% of the growth for 20% of the asset owned. So that's kind of the... Uh, Leverage. Yeah, it's called it's called gearing, borrowing, borrowing to invest, and you also get one hundred percent of the downside, which That's is right. the bit that most people miss out. Okay, on. this is wild, right? If you had a hundred dollars invested and the market dropped by fifty percent, you you, what would your money go down to? Fifty dollars. Yep. This is the quite crazy thing. To get the money back to a hundred dollars, how much does it then need to grow by? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Does that blow your mind? It does. It's that compounding negative returns mm. while well, you need to just keep your freaking mitts off your money. That's right. And keep shoveling, baby. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the great thing about leverage is it's great till it's not. And when it's not, it can be really bad. Mm. Um, I posted on that. There's more to the question if you want. Yeah. But well, fa- Facebook reminded me the other day, you know how Facebook gives you, here's what you posted five years ago. Mm. And I posted this article about this guy who'd, Sold a property after five years and just broke even, which in Australia is like a really unusual. And it's a middle ring, residential suburb, nothing too flash. And you go, and when I picked it up, I, uh, I then went, looked up the listing again, and it sold twice since at lower dollar numbers. What? So over 12 years, this property has cost two buyers their 10% deposits. What? Um, so I posted it originally by going, 
Real estate's an important part of any investment strategy. The trick is, you know, buy real estate, not too much when the time is right. Um, but it's not a one-way street. And remember, you're borrowing 90% of the money. So all it has to do is go down by 10% and you've lost 100% of your money. And so these three owners have collectively lost between That's them. That's crazy. You know, Glenn, before we go to the to the rest of the question, mm. uh, on this note, I love, Vince, that you brought up leverage because using other people's money can to the to the person's point. I think point. Uh, Robert used to call it OPM. Yes. OPM. <laughs> yes. That's Mr. Kiyosaki to oh, you. Sorry. Yes. I think you're talking about Robert Allen. Remember Robert <laughs> Allen? No, too? not that no? old. No? no? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, there it was. Wow, He right does that hook. to me all the time. Yeah. Damn. No, but... Um, uh, and he's playing with a lower margin than you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you here in the states anyway that you know a great real estate community is bigger pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, they're is well. Mindy here? Mindy is here. Yeah, it, they are very well respected, and you know there's so many. At least in the states, there's so many shysters in mm-hmm. in in real estate. It's horrible. Yeah. I think but, it just goes with the territory. I, I think it must. Mm-hmm. But Josh Dorkin, the creator of Bigger Pockets, said to me once. He said that leverage, leverage creates more winners more quickly in real estate than it does in stocks, but it also, during the bad times like we had here, 2008, 2009, flushes the losers far more quickly as well. And it's the same thing. I mean, you know, in in your portfolio, you can take out a margin loan, right? You can take a loan against your portfolio and people like me say, you're crazy to do that. And then we go real estate, take out a mortgage. It's the same thing. Yeah, but that's because there isn't a big sign at the in the front yard going, "Here's the value today." That's right. But yes, this, good point. I think in um, what's that book you got there? Oh, this one that I'm yeah. rubbing. So in, I think in my book, I think I, it's called the one that says "Stacked: The Serious yeah. Guide to Money," I, or, um, or the one with the fancy glazed cover. Yeah. So, the, well, I, I think it's funny that in our society, and we will get to the rest of the question, particularly in Australia. You'll have people have a deposit, go and get a pre-approval for $600,000, buy an investment property in the street over where they live without even really thinking about it because you just got to buy an investment property because all property goes up in value, right? Duh. And I, you know, what is more risky to borrow that money on that single asset in the street next door or into a diversified portfolio? Of equities. I mean... Well, the answer mathematically is the property is riskier. So the volatility on an individual property is higher than a basket of the ASX 200. But in my head, if I can see it... And that's where behavior comes in again. Mm. Um, But the number of people I've had walk into my office over the years, and I'm sure you're the same, Joe, who will be five investment properties geared to the gazoos, and they go, I'm a low-risk investor. I don't want to invest in stocks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, okay. Question: We we were talking about um, Dave Ramsey before, and for years, Mr. Ramsey, Mr. Ramsey, to you, yeah. He for years he said he only buys properties in his town. Right? Do you think his get out clause of that is he has property management offices in different parts all over all over the America? No, I don't think. Or do you so. reckon he owns half of Nashville? I think, I think, yeah, that town of Franklin where he's at, just yeah. south of Nashville, that is gorgeous. Yeah. I, I think he does what he says he does. Really? I do think he does what he says he does. Do you wow. think he uses an ELP to do it? <laughs> I, I, I really don't. I, <laughs> yeah, of course he does. Duh. 
Well, you had a very controversial show a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, let's talk about that. Are we going to go the, there? Show us the tea. What? Because I, I, I did want to listen oh to it before Nick, this. Nicole was not happy. No. So Nicole Lappin, who is a big money commentator in the U.S., came on our show, and she had had some problems on her show. And I just wanted to ask the question. Uh, and the title of the episode was, Should You Listen to Financial Guru Dave Ramsey? That was the title. Should You Listen to Dave Ramsey? And by the way, we got a lot of the Dave Ramsey lovers um, uh, express their displeasure. Yeah, I, I was in the Facebook group and I saw them. <laughs> <laughs> Expressed it uh, quite, quite well, which, which, by the way, was our question. Should you only have one trusted source? And should we, because we have microphones, and we talked earlier about compliance and about laws, and mm. because in the U.S., the, the laws are so frail if, when there are laws, should we, because we have microphones, should we check each other? Mm. You know, should we? Even though, on the other side, we also are leaving, my point earlier, we're leaving half the people behind. And those people that we're leaving behind, do they get turned off more about money because they hear us snipping at each other, mm. you know? So does it help or does it hurt? And we just ask the questions. And um, and I think the answer is because we have microphones, we should check each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I come down on that. And I, you know, Mr. Ramsey has done so much good work for so many people, but he also does some things that are very disturbing to mm. a lot of people. And Nicole, for her community, which I loved her answer. Her answer was, I don't really care about Dave's community. I care about my community. Yeah. And on my microphone with my community, I do not like this and this and this. And I want my people to know that, that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a shepherd for them and I'm going to protect them. And that was, I thought it was brave of her to say, by the way, we sabotaged her with that. She did not just, this is a, you know, these are not people that listen to Stacking Benjamins all the time. <laughs> but, but, but I will tell you guys that we, I did not tell her that that was going to be the topic until about an hour before. Right. And it was one of the few times when I had a big commentator coming on where, the, you know, usually they have something they want to talk about. Like, as an example, Stack, your super serious guide to modern money management. Available oh, like anywhere. if you have a book? <laughs> yes, as an example. Your advanced team didn't tell me about this. <laughs> I like, wouldn't have got you on if you were fucking your book. Just, just as an, I'm, I'm just giving you an example, Glenn. Yeah. Available in hardback at yes. all good bookstores. Yes, like let's say that I had a book like Stacked. Yeah. But the, um, uh, so she, she and, and she's been on the show a few times. And it was very cool of her because I think she was reticent to talk about it. And the hatred she got that Vince, you saw on our Facebook group was so in some ways vile toward her that they just did not like her questioning the man. And I thought, I thought she had some pretty good points. Mm, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that the point for me, going back to our, you know, we've got microphones, we should bring people along on the journey with us that shouting at people that they're stupid on the radio is probably not a really good way to encourage good money habits. But you know what, Vince, have you heard his show? Mm-hmm. It is so entertaining to listen to him tell people how dumb yeah. they are. And it Suze, is very Suze Orman is a similar she sort is. of thing. She's the same. Yeah. You can't afford it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've probably been a little bit guilty of that, and I think it is a personality thing. And you know, it can it can sound offensive that no, well, you you can't pay your electricity bill this month because you're paying for this luxury item here. Like the facts are, you put the cart before the horse. Yeah, but there is a difference between calling out the behaviour and calling out the person. Yeah, right. Right. I think if you can go, um, you know, maybe you shouldn't be tithing to your church if you can't afford your electricity bill. Yeah. So sure. you're stupid. Yeah. That, yeah. That's. Well, and his fans will say that he doesn't say you're stupid. 
he, he he will say your spending habits are stupid, but the way he says yeah, it, he yeah. says it. To it me, was, I, like, I could listen to him all day. I just, yeah, yeah. I, I totally love could his too. accent. I mean, I love how he <laughs> he's does that. But making, the content, <laughs> he's making entertainment. Yeah, and he is the highest paid radio personality. Mm. It's in amazing. The US. Yeah, it, it it is truly amazing. But just on that, like my podcast here, my millennial money. Like, there's a handful of us key Aussie money podcasters in Australia, and my quest is. You know, and I've just about had all of them on my show as, you know, guests because I've got the view that I'm not for everyone. I'm not your guru. If Glenn James is your guru, you've got a problem. (laughs) I've just, I want to be the facilitator of conversation and lead the community. Now, a couple of things, like we did our census and all that and there was comments like, oh, less Glenn and all that stuff. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but it's my podcast, so there is that <laughs> there is that portion where, and you know, if people get upset, it's like, well, the the reality is, if Glenn James has a microphone in his hand, guess what you get? You get Glenn James, and you you don't have to listen. But I just want to really encourage people that, yeah, I'm not your guru. And that's why, like, we, we had a, you know, Australian finance podcast, Owen Rask yep. and Kate mm-hmm. Campbell. I had, them on the, I had them on the show the other day and we were answering a listener question and Owen and I categorically disagreed with uh, an answer to a question. We both had different sides of the coin. Well, you and I disagree regularly. Yeah, and, and that's healthy. I mean, like... It's great. I'm... I'm a functioning, I, I can't say it. I can't say I'm a functioning adult. I must not be. <laughs> the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> but, but I mean, you're an adult? Yeah, but you know, you've got to be educated enough to make your own decision. But if you make an, a decision and you kind of know you shouldn't be and it goes pear shaped, like, oh, I shouldn't be buying this on credit and all this, you've got to own it and you've got to make the, you lay in the bed you make <laughs> if you know that you've made that decision. So, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's good to have yeah. voices and I, lots of different voices. I, I agree. I love the disagreements. When you have two very smart people that you respect mm. disagree on topics, it's nice for... I think the listener benefits from that. Like if you're listening to two knowledgeable people come down on different sides in an argument and you hear both arguments, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And I think like the whole uh, Dave Ramsey thing, like you've got to be really aware that he doesn't do debt because he was personally burned by that. And he made his money by telling people how to get out of debt, not right. by being debt-free. Right. Like, I don't know. That's a, just a comment. <laughs> no. It, well, well, it's, it's funny because I actually do make it in my book is that specific comment. And I've had, um, uh, I've had lots of people ask me about that specific part because I draw a line that while Dave Ramsey's advice is I have a chapter called How to Get Rich Quicker. Hmm. which is, by the way, clickbait on purpose. Because what I hopefully explain to readers throughout that chapter is that getting rich quicker means under-diversifying. And if you under-diversify, it also means you will get you could get uh, poor quicker as well. You, you just have to change, to, to use the money nerd discussion, you have to change your standard deviation. You have, to, you have to, 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 to make your standard deviation higher and you will, yeah, you'll get rich quicker. That's some how people, you do Some it. people will. That's right. So, so, and I make that clear with Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey didn't get wealthy by diversifying the way he tells people to buy these 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 mutual funds, right? And and they'll buy you know three or four different mutual funds, maybe three or four hundred 
companies in each one. So let's say they own 1,500 different companies. That is good advice. But he didn't get wealthy that way. He got wealthy by having one company. And before that, he got poor having one company mm. that invested in real estate made mm. him bankrupt. Mm. So you can see both sides from his personal experience. You see both sides of that, that under-diversification equation. It can go really well or it can go really poorly. Yeah. It, which is the key. I think the key then, if you want to get rich more quickly, is bet really strongly and leverage it and don't be wrong. Yeah. Yep. There it I is. only buy stocks to go up. That's it. That's the only way to make money. <laughs> uh, have you got 10 more minutes? I do. Yeah. So the, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the question that I just pulled it up that we asked on the episode where we both had a different opinion and I'll ask Vince and Joe what they would do in this situation. It's a two-liner question. Oh, boy. Cassie said, I'm 30 years old. I've just had a baby. I have $13,000 in credit card debt. I have no big assets or shares and I'm about to go on maternity leave and get my maternity pay of $10,000. What should I do with the money? How about feed the baby? Yep. Yeah, which is which is the So that so that's the question there if you yeah. want to read it, uh, Cassie. Yeah. What are you what are you doing, Joe? If she has no money in savings right now, I would still slow play the credit card debt because anything can happen. Any emergency can happen. And she doesn't want that debt to get bigger. So your natural reaction would be to pay off as much of the 13000 as possible. That's what everybody wants to do. Mm. I wouldn't do it because mm. she has no other. She needs that emergency fund to uh, uh, save her over the short term. What would you do, Vince? I think I'm with Joe on this one. Yeah. Um, that. One of the biggest dangers of the shame associated with debt is that people get over-focused on the single goal, I have debt, I want it gone. And they lose sight of, actually, you've still got to live life while you're achieving that goal and you want to make sure that you don't make it worse. Yeah, and that letting it ticking over, making the minimum payment, maybe making a little bit of extra payment, and keeping your powder dry. I mean, having a baby is you know one of those times in your life, like buying a new house, when anything can happen, and you really do need an emergency stash. Diapers are like buying gold. Mm. Mm. So, so and babies keep using them. It's annoying. Yeah. If I you get, figure out a way to shut that off, <laughs> then you're good. You're yeah. good. The so, only way I worked out was to stop feeding it, but that didn't, <laughs> that didn't last very long. Other negative consequences. <laughs> I, Shocker. I, um, so my answer was basically the same as both of your answers, that credit card, cut it up, put it in the drawer, minimum payments, be cash heavy. Uh, because we just need to pretend that it doesn't exist and get out of that habit of going back to the credit card. Yeah. Now, Owen, my guest, and this is public knowledge, you can listen to the episode, he said pay off the credit card mm. because he went to the interest rate of 15%. <gasps> and, I, I, and this is genuinely, I, I should have asked him, but often in the money world, and I'm saying this with absolute respect, if Owen re-listens, it's all good because at the end of that, I said, look, you've got two different sides of the coin. Cassie 
she's not an idiot, so she can make a judgment call, right? So Glenn James isn't right, Owen isn't right. These are just our opinions. But I wonder, in this money world, the three of us have had the the experience of being in front of hundreds of individuals and seeing the behaviors at the coalface on a personal finance coaching level. And I, I, I just, because his was like, pay off the debt. If there is an emergency that comes up, just put it back on the credit card oh, and, yeah. and you've saved the interest. And I just categorically can't agree with that because I've seen what happens when you just keep on that card as your, your crutch. Yeah. I mean, my personal experience of that was leading up to what in Australia we call the GFC or the Great Recession in the US because <laughs> it wasn't actually a recession in Australia. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I have a lot of former colleagues in, working in investment banks and they all went the mathematical approach. And they said, look, I've got this spare cash. I can put it in a high interest savings account and pay tax on the income or I can pay it off my home loan and redraw it when I need it. Right? That's the mathematically correct answer. It is. It's correct and it's so wrong. That's right. So come 2008, September 19th, if you recall, um, a lot of these guys lost their jobs and suddenly the redraw wasn't available again because the the banks go, Oh, that's our money. You don't have an income. That's our money. Remember all the tightening? Yeah. Even if you did have a job, banks and creditors were like, oh, we had $10,000 as your limit on your credit card. That's $5,000. Yeah. And by the way, you're over your limit. Yeah. And these guys all had, you know, expensive lifestyles, suddenly no job, and bonus season was still six months away. Mm. So, yeah, mathematically the right answer, behaviorally absolutely wrong. Well, and, and let me say one more thing on that, which is that it's the right answer because in a vacuum, heck yeah, you go with the interest rate. The interest rate's massive. Why wouldn't you pay it off? But it 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 forgets the fact that real life always happens. Mm. Whenever I get rid of my capital, that's always when something bad happens. My muffler drags, my, my, my dishwasher breaks, whatever it might be. But the feeling of being cash yeah, don't heavy. Wa- don't wash your muffler in the dishwasher. That might be the problem. Yeah, and well, I, I would say like, I'll be the first to say I have not experienced childbirth myself. I can't speak for you, Well, that's Joe. a revelation. <laughs> We heard it here first. Yeah, I, I was there for 31 hours of my boy's yeah. arrival and it was an but extremely unpleasant I, I experience. I may hypothesize if you were having a child and if it was your first child, things could change about how you feel hmm. and the care for a, a newborn child and the whole security thing. Yeah. I think for a new mum, third time, first time, maybe having that $10,000 of hard, cold cash in the bank might be that comfort level. Mm. And then secondly, if it's maternity pay, it's not extra money. It's Good to point. be consumed for the next six weeks or however long it was. Yeah, yeah. So it's the income stream. A, a windfall. Mm. Like, is it windfall or windfall? Wind. Fall. Wind. Wind. I always uh, as in the fruit falls off the tree when the wind blows. Oh. oh. As in breaking wind. Do you oh. guys <laughs> 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 Look, um, the rest of Shannon's question, it basically was around diversification and I think uh, Shannon would have got a lot out of that. Now, mm. in closing... So, that's Rask, Nil, everyone else, three. Well, <laughs> I don't want to go that bad because I can't tell people what to do. No, and we shouldn't be. And, you know, there's two... What and I often ask myself, what would wisdom say in that situation? I reckon most people's parents would say pay off the credit card. That's right. And is conventional wisdom with some of the money things not good? 
Oh, I totally agree. Yes. So maybe don't ask that yourself. But anyway. It's, Being, yes, I, don't know, I do like, think, yeah. I do think, you know, if we talked about this earlier with Dave Ramsey and Nicole Lappin, which is questioning. I think just questioning and spending just a moment to put your foot on the brake for just a moment and question, like, what are the other moves I could make in this situation can be so valuable. We, we actually said on the episode, if in doubt, do half of what he said, half of what I said. That's not bad either. <laughs> Except often, often that's the worst of both worlds rather than the best of both worlds. That's right. But do you think so in this case? I mean, oh, maybe not in this case. She still has five thousand dollars, and she gets rid of some of the. No, and this is funny. These questions that we read and spit on. The more I chew on this, the more that I've just answered my own thing that that money wasn't there as an extra lump sum in your life. Uh, It's income. That's that's paid in advance. That's the big thing. I think so. Yeah, this isn't just money from heaven. Yeah, although I'm not allergic to money. No, I'll take it. People want to donate. Um, yeah, mm. feel free. Now, Joseph, we have taken a bit of your time. Anything that you would like to add or throw out there that has been burning on your mind that just, I need a microphone to have a rant about. <laughs> Buy my book. Yeah. <laughs> You've known me how long, Glenn? Yeah. Uh, of course, I, I always have a rant, but I don't, I, you know, I don't. I don't, especially today. I just love the, I, I just really want to go back to a second. I don't think we think enough time about, we don't spend enough time thinking about what, and, and I don't remember his name, about bringing our people along with oh, us. Oh, Davy Harris, yeah. I just love that. This mm. idea of bringing other people with us is I went around on that book tour, and, and you guys probably had the same thing yeah. on your tour. Yeah. When, when you have the evangelistic people that will go to a meetup of money nerds, <laughs> You know, those people, it's not really about them. If they take that excitement and the fun they have and they share it with other people, Mm. like that is just, it's so empowering. It's so fun. So our national tour, everyone gets a name badge. When you walk in, you ride down, you stick it on. Now, I walk around with a name badge that says Glenn. And people say, why do you have a name badge? I said, well, who did you bring tonight? Oh, my spouse or my best friend. They've never heard of Glenn or my millennial no money. Idea who you are. I'm just a guy. <laughs> and so many people come along to our events and they've never heard the podcast. We've had so many stories of people coming. Oh, my friend needed someone to go to this money event. It's a Friday night. I've had the <laughs> best time ever. I've bought the book. I've this is fun. And yeah, it's it's really good to bring people along and just you can be the best example for what you want society to be. Be generous with your money. Respect other people. Like, don't cut people off without giving them the wave. <laughs> Such an opportunity. Yeah. So many opportunities. I don't know. I just love that. I mm. thought that was great. Any closing comments, Vince? Um, I think the the big thing is, you know, the point that Joe makes is that, you know, this is a journey. Mm. Um, we all need to get on the journey, but we will do it in our own time. Mm. And we're all going different places and um, but there is one fuel in our tank and that ultimately is money mm. and how we get it and what we do with it is the thing that makes the the difference but aligning it with our values is actually the key thing and mm. you can't drag someone else on the journey yeah they have to be ready for the journey and I love that because it's more about the values discussion than the money discussion the va- what, what do you value is the most fun discussion ever um, comparing management fees of two different funds, Not yeah. horrible. Yeah, and immaterial in the well, 
might be material. If you're splitting hairs over 0.2 of a percent, yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe it, it, not. You know, I when, don't know. Like, when it was the difference between 1% and 30%, oh, sorry, 1% and 0.3%, it was a discussion worth having. Yeah. If it's a difference between 0.06 and 0.08. Yeah, pick one and move on with <laughs> your life. <laughs> a little too much time on your hands. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but in all seriousness, Joe, like, can you just give us a bit, one last, because the people listening to this in bloody an hour and 15 minutes in, wow, they, they are the, the true flew. believers. Time flies when you're not having fun, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, I had the, a great time rubbing your picture. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop there. Um, Maybe that's why the book's so big. Um, so the book is, yeah, it's not a big, no. The, the book is Stacked, Your Super Serious the pin, Guide. The money guy. Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. Now, just give us the the why to this book and a bit of detail about it. Yeah, sorry, before you go there, yeah, can yeah. I just make a point? Yeah. That's way longer than the title of my book that you bagged. I did. <laughs> yeah. Vince's book is Live the Life You Want with the Money You Have or some BS like that. And some, <laughs> is that part of the title or some BS yeah, like that's that? Right. <laughs> and look, I will convey, I told Vince, I was like, no, nah, it's too long, but I, I did see it at the bookstore and it, it's okay. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt, Jerry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, but, uh, you have scouting in Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my mom, when I turned 50, finally gave me some of the stuff out of the attic that she hadn't trusted me with before. Like, you know, my Little League uh, baseball pictures. We, we, did you have your woggle from your necktie? <laughs> I did not. I've got mine from Cubs. Do you? Yeah. yeah the, the, is that the, the thing that thing holds, oh, that yeah. holds you around? Is that what that's? I didn't know what yeah, that mine was. was a scarf le- called? There's a word for the scarf. Uh, um, mine was a leather clip yeah, one. Yeah. 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 So uh, she gave me that back, and you you guys know more than most people that turning this into a game makes it way more fun. And we get so uptight about money that we often do nothing. Mm. And the whole thing we talked about today is just getting out there and do, save money, right? Especially if you're young, just go save some money. And uh, so I wanted to make a book that was approachable, like our show's meant to be, like your show, Glenn's meant to be. And I wanted to make it very much like The Scout. So every chapter is an achievement. The early, the early achievements are the easy ones, just like in scouting. And the tough achievements, like hiring advisors or better diversification or setting up your, your uh, plan for when you die, uh, those things are in the back. And but, do, you, do you get little badges that you well, stitch you, on between them? Y- you can. There's a different badge at the end of every <laughs> achievement, of every chapter. But check this out, guys. Is that At the end of the book, my co-author, Emily, and I, we made a, a certificate Oh, that right. you can print off and put on your refrigerator like my mom does. And uh, yeah, you can show everybody that you made it through all the different achievements. So it's not really meant to be read end to end as much as it's meant to be read. Whatever it is you're dealing with, go get that achievement right now. Now, Emily signed that copy. You've got my copy in your hands. Emily signed it when we had a chat on the podcast this morning. Do you want to read out what Emily, Emily signed it? Uh, I bet I know. <laughs> what you- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she did this on the book tour. So for Vince, you do know stacked also means big boobs, right? Which is funny because Glenn, I worked on this with a bunch of feminists, <laughs> and 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 uh, which was great. It was fantastic. But it was my agent, who's a huge feminist, who said you should call it stacked. <laughs> and here, stacked does mean you I'd, know. I'd never heard that before. Oh, it means you've got a nice big set. Well, I'm kind so of did stacked. Did you boob when you wrote it? <laughs> I did. Well, people called me a boob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm kind of stacked. Um, <laughs> you do have a nice set. <laughs> Thank you, so my man, man boobs, my man cans. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, what are you doing in February? 
What am I doing yeah. in February? You got any spots for a, uh, a book episode on uh, Stacking Benjamins? For my, no. For my new no. book? Are, are you saying this re- 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 reciprocity? Reciprocity? Pay to play. Are you no. kidding, <laughs> Mr. James? We'd have you on any time. All right. Yes. Well, it's not going to be me. It's going to be my co-author. Oh, well, screw No. <laughs> Nice. You, you do have to eat. Do you mom's like him pulling the rug out from under? Yeah, that's like right. That? Yeah, you have yeah. to eat yes. mom's cookies, though. Um, you do have to. All right, we're gonna wrap it up. And don't fall down the stairs to the basement like I did. It's it's the fourth floorboard that gets people. Mm. Yes. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for the chat. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. It's fantastic. We'll see you soon. Bye. We acknowledge the Awapakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Pride Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Shepherd, Pride Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.